In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is shall It's that time of year again, where the snow is here and the cars are in the ditch. Perhaps your car has already been in the ditch. If not, it might be this winter. If you've lived in Alaska for any length of time, you've had that experience. Everybody has that experience where they're stuck somehow, some way, in their driveway, on the side of the road. You hit that patch of ice. You aren't even going fast. I swear, officer, I wasn't speeding. You end up on the side of the road. You can't get out. Um, on Thursday, when school was canceled, I had an appointment to go and do confession, and I really needed to, to go and confess, so I kept the appointment. I was out, I was driving, and not even five minutes down the road, of course, there's a car in the ditch, the headlights are on, the driver's in the driver's seat. So I'm wearing my cassock. I stop right in the middle of the road, turn on my hazard lights, and I get out. The guy gets out of the car, and, uh, and he, he's in deep on Wasilla Fishhook. And uh, I, I, my first question is, are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm not hurt. And then I look. I said, I'm driving a Suburban, and I don't think I can get you out. I think you need something bigger. Like, I'm really sorry. I just don't think I can help you. He said, it's okay, it's okay, my brother's coming, he's got a much bigger truck than you have, and, and he'll, he'll take care of me. But, you know, thank you very much for stopping, I appreciate it. And I told this joke, I said, well, you know, like you see, like, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm a priest, and this Sunday I'm preaching about the Good Samaritan, I actually felt contractually obligated to stop. <laughs> He laughed. He laughed. He said, well, I appreciate you stopping anyway. Um, and I made it to confession on time. I wasn't even late. I made it on time. I didn't even have to rush. But it would have been worth being late to be there. So, um, you know, I was thinking about that phrase that I use. I'm contractually obligated, right? It's true. It's actually true of all of us. If we call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves Christians, aren't we contractually obligated as followers of Christ to stop and help people who need help? Amen. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, at the very least, even if you know you don't have the vehicle who can get somebody out of the ditch, shouldn't we stop and make sure that they're okay? Or on the off chance that their cell phone's not working, try to help them call for a tow truck. Like, this happens all the time. And it's not just, like, the homily is not just about getting cars out of the ditch, right? This is about so many other things. Like, we have another storm coming tomorrow, right? Six to 12 inches. Right? Why don't we keep our eyes open for those people who need a little extra help shoveling their driveway or their walkway? Right? If you're, if you're under the age of, say, 30 and your back feels good, like this could be a really, really important ministry wherever you are. <laughs> Just last night I was talking to somebody who said, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do all of this. 
And I said, I think you need to find some kids in your neighborhood who want a little extra cash and have a shovel. Um, but, but like we need to, as Christians, we need to be willing, as we talked about last week, we need to be willing to give of ourselves, right? There's the giver's glow that comes from giving, from volunteering and from giving our money. And there's the giver's glow that comes from doing good works. But we have to be willing to stop. We have to be willing to interrupt our very important lives and say, I'm going to give you my time. We have to be willing to actually engage. And sometimes that's what scares us the most. What if I engage with this person and I can't fix their problem? Well, you can at least love them. You can at least pray for them. You can at least offer compassion. I'm sorry that I can't get you out of the ditch, but I'm glad that you're okay. Do you need anything else? There was uh, another car Friday night off in the road. This car, all four tires, all four tires off the road. And I stopped and I was in a smaller vehicle and, and this person said, my wife's coming, She's, she'll be able to get me out. But he was having trouble finding that little um, connector in the front bumper where you can tie the little hook and get towed out. Like cars have this little thing on the front bumper now that you can screw a little hook into. He's having trouble finding that. I took two minutes in the dark and I, we got a flashlight and I helped him find that little thing. Right? Okay. I couldn't fix his problem. But he at least appreciated that I stopped. I'm not saying this to boast. I'm saying this because it was on my mind this week as I got ready for this homily of how should I be acting so that I'm not a hypocrite when I preach. But honestly, I want it to be on your mind all the time of how should I be acting because I'm a Christian. And the answer is you should be acting with love. Now, notice what I didn't ask when I got out of the car. For the, let's take the first guy on Thursday. I did not get out of the car and say, hey, can you tell me what political party you're a member of so I can be sure that I can help you? Can you tell me what church you go to? Because if it's not my church, I don't think I can help you. Can you tell me your, your family history? or your socioeconomic status, or your sexual orientation, or anything? Can you tell me your ethnicity? Like, no! That's ridiculous. That's irrelevant. I was making sure the person was okay. And if they needed help, I'd offer whatever help I could. I wasn't offering to buy them a house. I wasn't offering to buy them a new car. I wasn't going to solve a problem that I can't solve. But the law of love knows no bounds. When there's somebody in front of us who needs help, we should be doing what we can to help them. And if we call ourselves Christians... We should be willing to act like Christians. 
In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, St. Paul says, Let us not grow weary of doing good. That is, let us not grow weary of doing good works. Wisdom of Sirach, chapter 14, he says, Do not let a day go by without doing something good, and do not let any of your desire for doing good escape you. Do not let a day go by without doing good. And two verses later, he says, Give and receive and deprive yourself, because in Hades there is nowhere to seek luxury. Give and deprive yourself because in Hades there is nowhere to seek luxury. And of course, James 2.1.8, James chapter 2, verse 18, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I'm pro we're probably never going to see that guy that I met on Thursday on the road on Wasilla Fishhook. I'm probably never going to see him again. But God willing, if he sees somebody in a cassock, he'll be like, hey, there was a man in a dress who helped me once. He was at least trying. Those people aren't so bad. You always represent someone else to somebody else. You always represent your family, your church, your employer, and especially your God. You wear that cross on your neck, it carries with it great responsibility. St. Nikolai of Zicha says about this parable of the Good Samaritan, No one will be saved simply by knowing God's will. Salvation lies in doing it. Those who know much and do little will be more fiercely condemned than those who know a little and do that little. Therefore, the Lord says to the lawyer, Do this and thou shalt live. Do this. Do what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. Love thy neighbor as thyself. The lawyer quoted this to Christ. The Lord told him what the two greatest commandments were. Because Christ asked him. And what's really amazing is those commandments are not even in the same book of the Bible. The lawyer quoted the first one from Deuteronomy and the second one from Leviticus. And he put them together. He knew enough. To know that the whole law hangs on this. And then he tried to justify himself because he probably hadn't been doing that. Lord, who is my neighbor? Oh, you should have quit while you're ahead, man. But the Lord says, do this and you will live. The Lord gives him the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you take the parable of the Good Samaritan, you take the parable of the prodigal son... You've got the fullness of the gospel. And Luke offers us so many good parables. Last week, the rich man and Lazarus. In a couple weeks, the heavenly banquet. Like, it's so rich. But like, you can't... I don't know how you can walk away from hearing these things and not want to go and do likewise. How do you not want to be like the Samaritan? And what's interesting, in John 8.48, Jesus is arguing with the Jews... The Pharisees, they say, you are a Samaritan, you have a demon. They, 
they used a racial uh, uh, slur against Christ, calling him a Samaritan. And in this parable, very obviously, God identifies himself with the Samaritan who comes to save the person beaten and bruised among the robbers. The person who is beaten and bruised on the road to Jericho is humanity. And the good Samaritan is Christ, coming not from Samaria, but from Maria, from the Theotokos. That's in a prayer that I read once. The Lord is the good Samaritan, and he identifies himself with the least and the lowly of the people. The Jews hated the Samaritans. If they interacted with them, they would be unclean. They were half-breeds. And yet, it is the Samaritan who is the hero of this story. Why? And again, notice, the priest is too busy. The Levite, who is kind of like a deacon, it comes up and, and says, ah, I can't do it. If they had touched that man, they would have been unclean. They were too busy. They were too important in their own eyes, to offer help. The Samaritan comes up and doesn't interrogate. He just starts loving. He carried out the law. Those of us who know the law ought to be careful. Those of us who know the commandments of Christ, and those of us especially who say, I love God, ought to be very careful to show that we love God. God. Because if we only say, I love God, I believe in God, I believe in orthodoxy, whatever, whatever, if it's only words, it's all up here in your head and it doesn't really matter. But when your faith and your love for God is deep in your bones and is existential and permeates your whole being, it will flow to everyone around you. I hope that I don't stop to help somebody only when I have a homily coming about it. That should not be what I do. Oh, this will make for a good story on Sunday. Shame on me if that's the case. That should become my life. I see somebody in need, I will try to help them if I'm able. You can't help everyone all the time, everywhere. But you can help the person in front of you. And even if you can't help them with what they need materially, you can still pray for them. You can still treat them with respect and compassion. And you can still offer them to the Lord. We cannot love only when it's convenient for us. That is not love, that is selfishness. But true love, self-emptying love, the Greek word being kenosis, self-emptying love is the love that God shows us by becoming man and dying on the cross and rising from the dead. This is the love that we need to show others. St. John in his first epistle says, we love others because God loved us first. So, are we contractually obligated to love? 
Yes! Should we love because we're being forced to do it? No! We should love because God's love is enveloping us. Because we love Him so much, we want to love His image that's in somebody else. And I'll finish with this. We celebrate today a saint named John the Almsgiver. He was a bishop. He was a patriarch of Alexandria. He was known as John the Merciful or John the Almsgiver. Do you know what kind of life you have to live to receive that nickname? He was so generous and so selfless. Um, have you ever heard of a saint named like John the Chintzy, John the Cheapskate, John the Unmerciful? I haven't. If you have, let me know. I haven't, because I'm guessing there probably isn't one. But really, ask yourself, what nickname do you want when you die? How do you want people to remember you? They, people will remember one or maybe two things about you, about your virtues or your vices. They will remember one or two things. Are they going to remember that you're merciful or that you're a cheapskate? Or as Ricky Ricardo would say, a skate cheap. <laughs> John the Merciful, John the Merciful gave away so many things that they gave him this nickname. And I hope that he will pray for us that we can go and do likewise. That we can take our Christian love from a point of obligation to a point of opportunity. John the Merciful once stopped on the way to liturgy and heard the story of a woman who was a widow, who was poor and destitute. She, he met her on the street. He stopped and his entourage is getting impatient saying, we have to go to services. You can hear her story later. And he said, if I don't listen to her, how can I expect God to listen to me? And you can say the same thing about generosity. If I'm not generous to those that God puts in front of me, how can I expect God to be generous to me? As our Lord says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. What does that mean for the unmerciful? God help us if he thinks that we are unmerciful. But if we dare ask him for his mercy, we need to be merciful to others. We always need to give people the benefit of the doubt. We always need to understand that we can't understand the full context of their situation and their problem. But we will be tested on our faithfulness to Christ and our willingness to do what we can. So brothers and sisters, let us not simply, merely be contractually obligated as we carry the name of Christian out into the world. Let us not do good works merely out of contractual obligation, but let us do good works out of a deep longing for and love of God. Let us carry out the command to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, and love our neighbor more than ourselves. 
so that we can follow the Lord's advice of this lawyer. Go and do likewise. Do this and you will live. Do this and you will live. Let us not waver. Let us not be afraid. And let us trust that God will be merciful to us as we are merciful to others. To Christ our God, the Good Samaritan and the Savior of our souls, be glory, honor, and worship together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and never shall be.